0: help us on this journey all right so thanks very much Lee. thanks brother thanks man all right cool good morning lovely to see you guys man you set me up with that video bro honestly like you can't watch that and not be moved man like i was crying silently like oh bro don't put that on man (laughs) It's lovely to see just you know stuff happen that way and just the compassion of people and the hearts of people drawn to that. And man, good on you, bro. Just all the best of that. I'm just curious. Did anybody here, um, when we were praying earlier for healing, did anybody uh, notice a difference? Just one hand up if you notice. Cool. A few there. Any of you got like completely healed? Two hands. Cool. Oh, awesome. All right. Cool. Ah, yeah. That excites me, man. I love seeing the work of God, the love of God in this type, type of setting, type of thing. It's just, it's awesome. What I want to share about today, I mean, so much going on in my heart and lots in my mind. Obviously, it's been a big week for us in New Zealand, and there's so many directions I want to go, but there's some things that I feel graceful and some that I feel like I can't talk on yet, but I really want to, but I'm sure in time we'll, uh, we'll, talk, we'll touch on some of those things. So. What I want to share about really is just adapting more on, on love and becoming love and what that looks like and really just trying to build up to uh, Tomokanga. But even beyond that, like I think it's our privilege uh, every day as Christians, even when we leave from today, uh, even after Tomokanga, that we live this life of blessing people with the love of the Father. And so 1 Timothy 1.5 says that the goal of our instruction is love. 1 John 4.8.9 says that he who loves is born of God and knows God, but he who doesn't love doesn't know God. In other words, the evidence of knowing God is by the way that you love. Because he who loves is born of God and knows God, and he who doesn't love just doesn't know God. And so the goal of your, my Christianity isn't to go to church on a Sunday, or even to go to heaven, it's to become love. The very image and likeness of the Father, what we were created to be from the beginning, love. Amen. And so when I'm talking about uh, becoming love today, I'm talking about becoming love, dying to self. To me, they're two in the same, like in order to become love, there must be a dying to self and dying to self when it's sanctified or submitted to to the Son, to Jesus, then we can become love, and the proper love that we need to be, because there are many loves in the world, and if we're not careful, we can fall from the narrow way, come into a broad way, and that's when it gets a bit tricky. Making sense? All right, so I really want to talk about what is necessary for you and I to become love, because in order to love our communities, and love our cities, and love our nations, and to love people the way that the Father does, we must become love. Cool? And so the first thing that you and I must know is how loved we are by him. 1 John 4.19 says that we love because he first loved us. We love because he first loved us. In other words, you and I don't have the ability to love people the way that he does without first knowing his first love for us. We didn't have the ability to love our communities, cities, nations, people without the Father first putting His heart in our heart, and His eye, in our eye and allowing us to see people, to see life, to see perspective from His angle, from His lens of love. And so it starts from knowing that you were first loved. And we know that love for ourselves. We can see that love for the same people. And then we will love people in the same way that He does. It begins with love. And when I talk about love, it's easy. I mean... You guys know, anytime I get up here, I'm always talking about love. To me, it's a, it's a topic that we never graduate from. It's the very thing that saved us. It's what we build our foundations, our faith from. It's the very expression we're called to be in this world. So I'm always going to touch on love anytime I get up. Guarantee it. <laughs> I love it. And so what we need to understand through this is that it's easy to hear God loves the world, and for the first 20 years of my life, I was always told God loves the world or Jesus loves me, and I knew it. I'd heard the Easter stories, I'd heard the Christmas stories, but nobody ever told me that he loved me personally. Not one person. 20 years of my life, nobody told me that he loved me personally. And it wasn't until I experienced that and encountered that for myself that my whole life was changed forever. And so when I talk about knowing God's first love for you, it's knowing that you were loved personally, uniquely, individually. Intimately, completely, unconditionally, and eternally. It's settled, and you cannot change that. He loves you. He loved you in your darkest hour, in your worst moment. And He loved you in your best hour, just the same. And sometimes we as Christians need to hear this part a bit more because it's like we're so prone to performance Christianity where if I do more, be more, or be a part of more ministries, then maybe I'll be more loved by Him. Get it out of the way, dude. I'm not trying to be loved. I'm loved. I'm not trying to get blessed. I'm blessed. I'm not trying to be favored. I'm favored. I'm not trying to be righteous. I'm righteous. I'm not even trying to be anointed. I'm anointed. And that ain't cockiness or arrogance. In fact, it's not even my idea. It's his idea. He's declared it through the word and I'm taking it, man. I'm running with it. And so you must first know that you are loved by him. That's the first thing that must take place in order for you and I to become love. We must know his first love for us. In 2010, I would have been about oh, a year or two old in the faith and I was in my bedroom, it was a Friday afternoon, and I was reading through the passage in Matthew chapter 3, it's the baptism of Jesus, and it's when the Father says to Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, and I was so caught up on that phrase, beloved son, because it spoke to me of intimacy, it spoke to me of closeness, it spoke to me of a oneness or a special type relationship, and I was like, I want that relationship, I don't want to be just a son of God, I want to be a beloved son of God. And so I remember praying in my room saying, Father, how can I be a beloved son of you? I want to be a beloved son of us. How can I be a beloved son? And I'm in my bedroom, I'm looking at my wall, and in my mind's eye, the word beloved pops up on the wall, and it's split into two, and the father said to me, be loved by me. Let me love you. I remember falling on my bed, man, and I threw the Bible on the ground in the right way, and I was so just overwhelmed overwhelmed by the goodness and the love of the Father, just crying. I never, like physical, tangible feeling of the Father's love. And I remember lying there, just saying, Father, thank you for loving me. Thank you for loving me. Teach me to get good at being loved by you. We love because he first loved us. Get good at being loved because in knowing his first love for you, then you can become that same love to the world around you. It starts with knowing how loved you are by him. Make sense? All right. The second thing that must happen in order for you and I to become love and love communities effectively the way that Father does, there must be a dying to self. And this is the biggest trip up for many Christians. Many of us fail to move past that step or this process, if you like, of dying to self. I want to go one way, but I don't feel grace to go there. I'll just park it there or leave it there. There needs to be a dying to self. So John chapter 12 verse 24 says this, unless a seed first falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if that seed dies, it bears much fruit or produces much grain. In order for you and I to produce or reproduce the same love to the world around us, there must be a dying to self, just like the seed. That love that we receive from the Father cannot just sit there like some reservoir that we enjoy and have pleasure for ourselves. No, it's called to be a river of living water that flows out to us to the world around us. And in order to do that, there has to be a dying to self. Hallelujah. First Corinthians chapter fifteen, verse thirty six, Paul says that unless you what you sow is not made alive, unless it first dies. And then in Matthew chapter sixteen, twenty four, Jesus said, He who desires to follow me, let him first deny himself. The prerequisite of following Jesus is denying self. Why? Because we were never created for ourselves. In the beginning, God created us in relationship, and we were in oneness, union, fellowship of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we enjoyed an intimacy with the Father that was full of love. Man ate off the tree. Sin came in. We became severed from that relationship. We became disconnected from the source of love, and now we became in need of love. And so instead of enjoying a relationship that was selfless and full of love, sin caused us to become selfish and full of lust. We became self-centered, self-needy, self-focused, self-driven, self-motivated, me, myself, and I, and we see the negative effects of that play out throughout the rest of the Bible, throughout history, and even in our lives today. And so the prerequisite of dying to self or the call of Jesus to deny self is really a call for us to let go of what he never gave us in the first place so that we can become who are called to be in the first place. (sighs) Making sense? That's good. Follow me. One of the biggest concerns I have today is the way that that selfishness had crept in, even into Christianity. And it's reflected by the different type of gospels you might hear today, especially the gospel that says, pray this prayer and you will one day go to heaven. Are you serious? Dude, I didn't say a prayer to one day go to heaven. I said a prayer to come back to the Father, to be restored back to relationship, oneness, union with the Father. I came back to a love relationship that was once lost in the garden, but has now been restored and made possible through the blood of Jesus. That's what I said a prayer for, man. I'll be in heaven one day, I'm sure of that. But in the meantime, heaven's come into me and I'm blessed to release heaven to the world around me. But the only way that that can happen is by love relationship with the Father. Are you following me? And so the concern I have with that type of gospel or a gospel that says pray this prayer and you'll one day go to heaven or pray this prayer and your life will be prosperous is that it's still selfish. Yes. It's still about me and my life. It's how the gospel can meet my needs and how can the gospel benefit my life and what can God do for my life instead of me laying down my life and him becoming my life. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Come on. See, the problem with that type of gospel then is that we now reduce the Bible down to a bunch of principles that we apply to have a breakthrough, to get another blessing or to have a better day, and yet you can do all that without one ounce of fellowship with the Father. It becomes mechanical and religious, and if we're not careful, we'll still tick it off as spiritual devotion. Ah, come on, man. You're following what I'm saying. I'm speaking straight. I'm not mad at anyone. I'm happy. I'm having a good day. (laughs) Alarms are going off. That's cool. It doesn't interfere with what's going on here. God is still good, but you're following me on this. You see, because we can do all that and we can uh, apply the scriptures all that way and see it in that way. And so then what happens is when life doesn't go the way that we've expected it to be or when life doesn't go the way that we've prayed and applied the scriptures to be, we get upset, we get frustrated, we turn fist at God, we question his goodness and at worst, we'll walk away from him altogether. And I can probably guarantee that we all know family or friends who are living that type of life now. They came into the faith not because they want him as Lord. They still wanted to be Lord over their own life. And when things didn't go the way they wanted, they throw in the towel and say, I don't want this. What a shame. The selfishness of the fallen nature that has still crept into the gospel. It's such a devastation. It's tough to see. And you see, on top of all of that negativity still is that in that I now have a right to be upset, offended, and hurt by you. And I have valid reasons to hold a grudge and have resentment have bitterness and malice in my heart towards you. And yet none of that way is the way of the Father. None of it is the way of love. (sighs) Galatians 6.15, Paul says, nothing avails anything but a new creation. I did not say a prayer to one day go to heaven. I said a prayer to come back to the Father, to be restored back to original value, to take on a new creation, a new nature. I've put off the old man. I've put on the new man. I've been translated out of darkness into light. I've been born again. (sighs) That's what I said a prayer for. And so something's got to take place on the inside, guys. Something's got to change within. The gospel can't be just some, some external benefit that leaves me the same. No, something has to change on the inside. Come on, what good is it for you and I to go to church, sing all the songs, know all the scriptures, get up here and preach with eloquence, and yet look no different, sound no different, think no different, and react no different to the man who doesn't know God? (sighs) Something has to change on the inside, guys, because nothing avails anything but a new creation. Jesus said, clean the inside of the cup, the outside will be clean. Something must take place on the inside, because nothing avails anything but a new creation. So what does that new creation look like? The answer, love. It's who we were called and created to be from the beginning. In his image, his likeness, love. God is love. It's not just some characteristic or trait or emotion that he walks in from time to time. It's the very essence and being of who he is. And we're created in that image of likeness. That's the original creation we were called and created to be from the beginning. But now watch this. Sin came in and we became selfish, self-centered, self-needy, self-driven, self-motivated, Self, me, myself, and I. But love does not seek its own. Do you see the difference? This is what we're called and created to be. This is what sin called us to be. Selfish does not seek its own. Do you see that? Watch this. Sin came in. Now I have the ability to be upset, angry, frustrated, hold a grudge, have resentment against you, but love keeps no record of wrong. Do you see the difference? Sin caused us to be one way, Love is who we're created to be from the beginning, but sin has caused us to live another way. Are you following me? And so the call of Jesus to deny self is to let go of all of that because it's not who we're called to be in the first place. This is where we're called to be in the first place. So any time that you and I are frustrated or mad or offended or hurt by somebody else only reveals that we're still alive for self. And I'm not being insensitive by saying that, but it reveals that I'm still alive for me and my life still cares too much to me. Come on, somebody mistreats us or they speak wrong about us and we get upset, hurt, offended. We call five friends and ask for prayer. And if we're not careful, I've been around Christianity to see that. And if we're not careful, we'll gather around that person. We'll soothe them in their pain and we may even jump in on the conversations. He said that? She did that? Are you serious? These guys call themselves Christians? Father, we just pray that you just pull them off their high horse and help them to see their foolishness and just change them. God, I am sick and tired of them. Guys, that's not a prayer session. That's a complaint session. It doesn't go beyond the ceiling. God doesn't feel that way about them. Why? Because mercy is triumphing over judgment, and grace abounds so much more. But why do we think it's okay to think that way and talk that way and pray that way? Because life taught us to feel that way and taught us that it's okay to feel that way, and yet it's not the way. Come on. If Jesus treated us in that same way, we would be a lost cause. Can you imagine Jesus saying to the Father, you know what? I'm sick and tired of these guys, Father. All I did was love them, care for them, feed them, heal them, and they don't treat me like this. They turn their back on me, they treat me one way, they betray me and this and that. You know beat Beam me up. I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, see, we laugh because we realize how foolish it is and we think it's weird to think that it would fly around in his mouth, and yet we let it fly around in our mouths all the time. <sighs> Come on. In today's culture, man, if. If Jesus decided to get down to that cross, today's culture would be like, yeah, they would embrace it. They'll say, go for it, Jesus. You're an innocent man. You're a just man. In this particular case, the world is the villain. You are the victim. You know what? Get down off that cross. Go proclaim your rights, Jesus. We will march with you. Justice for Jesus. Justice for Jesus. Today's culture would say that. And yet Jesus never took that route. Why? Because he's of a different kingdom, a different reality, a different way of love. And he came to win a victory, not of this world standard, but of a different world. (sighs) That's my example. That's our example. The perfect expression of love. Amidst all of that injustice, all of that pain, there's Jesus not seeking his own, not keeping record of wrong. Instead, he's hanging on a cross and saying, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How many times do we consider even that phrase where per- people mistreat us? I wonder how many times if ever we get alone and say, you know what, Father? I forgive them for they know not what they do. In fact, I don't even forgive them because I don't have any wrong with this. They don't hurt me. I just see that they don't understand who they are. If they knew who they were in you, they were filled with the Spirit and knew their identity, Father, they wouldn't do or say what they do and say. So I bless them, Father, and I forgive them, and I speak value, I speak purpose, I speak identity, and I pray that they would grow in the knowledge of who they are in you. See, that's a big difference, and that's way better than just having a grumbling concession with five friends. You're following me. That's how you bless those who curse you, is you see them for their value. I'm not being insensitive of the mistreatment. Trust me. I've had my own mistreatments. I know exactly what it's like. But what does any of that matter to me now that I'm in the Christ? I don't find my value and identity in people. I'm found in Him. And I know it's easy to say that, and I know that might not be easier for some people to hear, but I hope you hear the grace in that, guys. I'm not being me. That's what must take place in order for us to become love. There must be a dying to self. Because in the dying to self, like that seed, we can reproduce that same love to the world around us. He who desires to follow me, let him first deny himself. I can probably guarantee, no, I think I can very much guarantee that everybody's heard this particular verse, and I'll share it in a moment. And I can probably also guarantee that nobody's heard the third part of this verse. And it's Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it says that overcome Him by the blood of the Lamb Lamb and the word of their And, wow, isn't that amazing? Now watch this. There's a reason for this. The third part of that verse goes like this. And they overcome him by the blood of the Lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their own life unto death. That's a big thing, man. I wonder if the selfishness of the fallen nature has crept in so much that it's even got us to silence verses that require us to deny self. Because that verse keeps going guys you read it for yourself revelation twelve eleven. it's in there it's not word of the testimony period no it's word of the testimony comma and they did not love their own lives unto death that's exactly the way that jesus lived the reason why he could do what he did because he didn't hold his life so his life so dearly to himself this is a big deal guys massive deal one of my favorite examples of that is in acts 16 and it's paul and silas Two innocent dudes who've just been beaten with many stripes and they're told to be put in the innermost prison by the jailer. Here they are amidst all of that singing and praising God. Dude, I don't know how I'd react in that, to be honest. I know in my old life, if somebody tried to whip me, I'll take it back and I'll whip you back harder. You know what I mean? But here, these two guys are singing and worshiping. Amazing. And as they're singing and worshiping, earthquake comes, shakes open the doors, and the prisoners are free to go. It says that the jailer comes, he sees that they've been, or the doors have been opened. Now he's afraid for his life because the prisoners may have gone. And it says that he goes to draw his sword to kill himself. It must have been big punishment if he wasn't able to secure prisons, but it says he goes to kill himself. And then a voice says to him, stop, do no harm to yourself, for we are right here. That jailer runs to Paul and Silas, falls on their feet and says, what must I do to be saved? And that very day, him and his entire household came to faith. Why? Because two men did not love their own life unto death. Many Christians in that moment, we would have made the run, man. This is the freedom of God. Hallelujah. Running. Not these two. And because they did not love their own life unto death, the jailer and his family all came to faith. That's what we're called to be, guys. To not live for my rights and opinions. Jesus didn't stand up for his rightness. He was righteous. There's a difference. That's what we're called to be, guys. Not loving our own life so much unto death. It's laying down our life. No greater love is this than to lay his life down for another. Becoming love. Yeah. That's so good. All right. The big question now is how do we grow in this? How do I die to Or How can I be all that you're talking about? It sounds nice, but how do we live that out? Well... The answer will honestly offend the flesh because it's so offensive. The flesh wants for gratification. It wants to feel like I'm rewarded for doing what I do. But the answer is so simple. It's this. Get alone with the fire. Mm. The secret place here. Yeah. Yeah. When nobody else is watching, when you guys aren't watching, when you don't see me and all the lights are shut off, I'm meeting with the Father. I'm alone with my Father, and I'm communing with Him, fellowship with Him. I'm not talking about listening to my podcasts and YouTube and playing all the worship songs. That's great. Even I do that, but we can do that even apart from meeting with Him. No, I'm talking about meeting with Him, being with Him, the lover of your soul, the life changer, the one who changes your life and helps you to become everything you're destined to be in the first place. Get alone with Him. Man, I tell you, if you were a fly on the wall in my secret place, you would think I'm a madman. Borderline psychotic, maybe. (laughs) Some days I'm up and down. Thank you, Jesus. Some days I'm on the ground crying my head off. It, It changes from time to time, but I'm meeting with him. I'm alone with him, guys. It's easy for me to get up here and do all this, but this only happens because of what I do in private. What you do in private is manifest in public. What does that look like? And so the way that you and I grow in knowing his first love for us and the way that we grow in becoming love and dying to self, it's meeting with him. In that meeting place, when I'm alone with him, he's teaching my heart, he's showing me things, he's healing things, he's fixing things, and he's transforming me from the inside out into the new creation I'm called to be. And in that place, the reason why it happens there, Ephesians 2.8, we are saved by grace that works through faith. Watch this. When I stand in a posture of faith towards the truth of what he said about me, exactly what Jesse was saying this morning through worship, as I position myself in faith to the truth of what he says about me, Grace falls to empower that truth as a reality in my life. It transformed me, and then I walk this thing out effortlessly. It's faith, guys. I'm not trying to bite my lip to be a better Christian or to be more loving or to be more out there. I'm learning to be loved by him. I'm putting faith in what he said about me. Grace is falling to create that truth in me, and then I live it out. Do you understand how freeing that is? Honestly, that's why it's offensive to the flesh and to religious mindset, because we want three steps, five ways, seven formulas. It's get alone with the Father. It's by grace that works through faith and not by works lest any man should boast. Any good in my life, any good that you may see from my life, and any good that I may do ahead, I can't boast in any of that because it's nothing of my own doing. But at the same time, that's so freeing. I'm under no pressure by you. I'm under no pressure to look a thing or to perform a certain way or need your validation. I'm so free, man. You have no idea. That's grace, and it works through faith, and the just live by faith. We fight the good fight of faith. We're to remain steadfast in the faith. Jesus says to Simon in Luke twenty-two thirty-two. 32, he says, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed that your faith may not fail. That's where we're to live, guys, in the place of faith. And that's how we live from rest. Oh, man, it is so freeing to live in a place of rest where we realize man I don't have to bite my lip I can wipe the sweat off my brow and I can just be who I am and you and you come into me and you change me and it's your life through me no longer I who live but you that is so freeing guys you and I don't have to bite our lip to be a better Christian to do better things or to be anything specific or particular that we think we've got to be no we get alone with him we put faith in the truth of what he said about us that grace force to empower that truth in us and then we live this thing up effortlessly does that make sense to you I hope it's hitting home, guys, because this is so freeing. It's so good, especially if we're seeing selfishness crept into the gospel. This is exactly what we need, plain and simple truth, the simplicity of the gospel. Paul says, 2 Corinthians eleven 3, I'm concerned for you that somehow like Eve was deceived through the craftiness of Satan, so you also have been deceived in your minds from the simplicity that is in Christ. Amen. Come on, the world's always telling us you've got to be more sophisticated, you've got to be more sophisticated. Did you know the word sophisticated actually means lack of innocence? And yet innocent is exactly what God calls us to be, childlike. (laughs) It's simple. It's not always easy, but it's simple. And so it's positioning ourselves in a place of faith, alone in the secret place where nobody else is watching. That's when it's real. What does your Christianity look like then? (laughs) This is what it looks like for me. This is an example of what it looks like when I'm alone. It's, Father, I just thank you that you've loved me. And I thank you that you've loved me from the beginning. There are times I may not feel it. There may be things going around in my life where it doesn't look like it, but I know that you love me. And I will position myself always to know and to tell my soul and every five of my being that I'm loved by you. And I thank you that I'm called to deny self. And there are parts of me that prop up, and I know it's not right in of you. but I thank you you're working a perfect work in me. Your grace is falling. My life has been changed. You're doing wonderful things in my life. And I will bless your name, and I will see people touched. I will see people healed. I will speak with words of knowledge in the prophetic, and I will see awesome things change around me because of your grace thank you for loving me. See, that's a real easy way to pray and a better way than praying, oh God, I'm really struggling with this or can you change that person because they really annoy me or help me to work on this. No, I'm speaking truth. I'm declaring truth. I'm posturing my heart in a position of truth and I'm putting it in a place, sorry, in faith towards truth. And as I put that towards truth, that truth falls by grace to become truth in my life and then I walk it out. You following? Awesome. Awesome. So what I want to do at the moment, no, actually, i got one more story. This is a true story. I'm not going to tell you a parable. This is a true story. There was a guy named Clarence, and his wife had just left him and his two kids to live with a man that she'd met on the internet. Never met him in life, moved, made the change, left the husband and two kids. And Clarence is telling the story, and he says, for the first five days of that separation, he was crying in his room, never, ever came out dark, just yelling out to God, why God, how God, how can this happen to me? How come this, this, why my wife has left me for this other man? Why did you let this happen to me? Five days. He said he was screaming at the walls. How could this happen? On the sixth day, he said it felt you just knew the presence of God was in that room in that moment. And the presence of God came in and it just silenced him. And he said that God said to him, Clarence, you don't have a problem. He got so offended and said, what do you mean I don't have a problem? My wife is in the arms of another man and my my kids don't have their mother and I'm holding divorce papers and you say, I don't have a problem? God said to him, Clarence, you don't have a problem. Your wife is in trouble. Would you consider praying for her? That whole time he was praying for himself, his pain, his hurt, his neediness, self. In that moment, God taught him to see the value of his wife and just to see, hey, She's just not seeing clear. She's mystified in this and that. Why don't you pray for her? Why don't you pray for her support, for her health, for her rightness to see with clarity? A few years go, go by. She comes back into town. They get reconnected. And he says to her, I don't see you for what's happened. I don't see you for that. I love you. Come back home. She says to him, I'm pregnant. His response to her was, life comes from God. If I've forgiven you, then I embrace you and the baby, and I will be the daddy. That was nine years ago, and to this day, are still living, happily married, beautiful baby. They did not love their own life unto death. When do we stop to consider the value of others instead of being offended and hurt at self because of what they may have done to us and consider who they are, their value? Because if they knew who they were in the Father, if they knew their identity, if they knew their value, they wouldn't do what they do. So why do we take it personal? And the way that we grow in that, guys, is get alone with the Father. It's simple. It's not what everybody wants to hear, but that's how we do it, guys. We meet with the Holy One, the Loving One, the Good One, the Changer of our lives. We can't change our lives in our own strength, not our might, not our power, Him, meeting with Him makes sense. Father, I just want to thank you for the way that you love us. And I want to thank you for the way that you've loved us as a people all the days of our lives. And Father, you're speaking to us a very straight and forward and, and sometimes difficult to hear word, but I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your wisdom in this. And I just pray for each and every one of us here, Father, that you can help us all to grow in knowing you. Help us all to grow in knowing your love for us. Help us all to grow in dying to self, denying self, and seeing ourselves the way that you do so that we can see others the way that you do. Help us to get good at being loved, Father. Help us to be the beloved of you, to be loved by you, and then to become that same love to the world around us. Father, there are issues there. There are sensitive topics. There are prickles in our heart that maybe still haven't been dealt with or or healed at the moment, Father. And we just give them to you. And we understand, Father, if people knew who they were, they wouldn't do what they did. And so why do we hold it against them? We forgive them, Father. We bless them. We speak value and destiny and truth and purpose into their lives so that they can run with you the way that you intend them to as well. We bless them, Father. We bless them. And we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for the way that you love us. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. You're an awesome God. You're a good Father. And we're so blessed to know you.